welcome to Quills and Cloaks, a writing and fandom podcast, delving into the world of fandom discussions, author writing tips, and of course, all things Harry Potter. I'm Christy J. Whitney, and I will be your host and your professor. So unroll those parchments because class is in session. Welcome to episode seven of Quills and Cloaks. And I've got a very special guest today to help me chat about all things, including voice acting, cosplay, and of course, Harry Potter. So I'm joined today by Madison Bruneller, who is a versatile voice talent with a large variety of highly developed, diverse characters of various ages. She is the star and creator of the YouTube channel, Maddie to the Max, which features impressions and recreations of animated films. And she started performing at a very young age. She has many years of improvisation experience along with hosting talk shows, reviews, and her YouTube channel. She's worked with artists around the world and in film, television, has been on voiceover panels at conventions, been a guest speaker at universities, the guest on radio shows, and featured on Disney XD. And Madison is also currently playing the role of Narcissa Malfoy in the radio play, The Great Wizarding War, which is a sequel to the hit Harry Potter fan film, Severus Snape and the Marauders. And we are definitely going to be talking about this a bit later in the podcast. But first, I would like to say welcome, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we begin, and may I call you Maddie? Absolutely. All right, Maddie, before we begin, I always like to find out some background information about my fellow Harry Potter fans. Of course. So what is your Harry Potter Hogwarts house, and what is your favorite book or film in the series, if you have one? I am a diehard Hufflepuff. I will go down with the Hufflepuff ship. I will get on that soapbox, and I will defend my Hufflepuffs. I'm a proud Hufflepuff <laughs> for so many different reasons. <laughs> um, I like cookies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the good cookies. Um, my favorite book, I think, is the seventh one. I really love the uh, 19 Years Later. That always makes me cry. And when I finished reading it for the first time, I went back and I reread just that chapter right after finishing it because it just brought me to tears. I wrote a little poem about it. Yeah, so that, that moment I love in the seventh book, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And as a proud Slytherin, I'm very excited to have a Hufflepuff because all Yay! Slytherins need their Hufflepuffs. They need their puffs. We need our puff buddies. We need our Slither pals. We do. We do. So yeah, I, I am yeah. fortunate to have uh, my two best friends are also Hufflepuffs, and they yes. always have my back. So, yes. Oh, <laughs> go it's like having this awesome like crew of awesome people to go into battle with one another for different reasons. <laughs> The Hufflepuffs will make it friendly until you hurt somebody, and then they will defend you, and the Slytherins will just straight up know all the battle tactics. <laughs> They're a dangerous combination. In they are. Way. Like, how have they not taken over the world yet? This is true. Future plans. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, before we get into some questions and chats, um, I just wanted to share with my listeners briefly how I kind of put two and two together that I knew who you were um, mm -hmm. when I saw you in The Great Wizarding War. So I started doing TikTok about two and a half years ago as a way of just uh, kind of developing my readership because I write 
uh, young adult fiction. And then I also cosplay. So I've been cosplaying for about 12 years and I thought, okay, that would be a great combo. And so when I started, I was currently doing Professor Snape at conventions and I was doing some duets and doing other things with Harry Potter. And, and I remember thinking, oh, this is a really great Narcissa Malfoy cosplay on TikTok. Yeah. And then fast forward a little while later and I was you know, watching the first part of The Great Wizarding War on YouTube when they were doing the interrogations of different mm -hmm. characters. And it was cool. I was watching, you know, the people I'd seen on the film. And then there was Narcissa. And I kept thinking, I have seen her before. <laughs> like, I've, she's really familiar. And that outfit is really familiar. And then I put two and two together. I said, That's Maddie to the max yeah. on TikTok. Yeah. Because I think for the longest time, one of my most popular videos was that duet that I did with you. It was of Narcissa reacting to, you know, what's inside Severus Snape's head? And it was something like, oh my, that's so strange. And for the longest time, that was my most popular video. <laughs> so when you reached out to me and you said, oh, I did the Severus Snape, I looked it up and I was like, yes, I know her. I've seen so many of her videos. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad we had that weird little TikTok connection. I love it. Um, I love the TikTok community. The Harry Potter TikTok community is the best. They really are. And it's, mm -hmm. it's been one of the reasons that I started this podcast is just, you know, you go on do lives and people ask you questions and you always feel like you never get a chance to answer everything totally. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do this podcast. And then yeah. started to see there's a, there's a great um, number of people who weren't familiar with Severus Snape and the Marauders and the Great Wizarding War. Which is such a travesty. It is such Everyone a travesty. Everyone should know it. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs to know it. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. It's like point more people towards these two great works. So yes, um, so speaking, it. I guess since we're talking about TikTok and your cosplays uh, mm -hmm. are amazing, by Thank the way. You. But um, how long have you been, you know, cosplaying either just as a hobby or at conventions? What got you into kind of the cosplay community? Uh, cosplaying at conventions. Um, <laughs> like, well, I've been, I've been dressing up in costumes since I was very, very little. Like I drew, grew up with a costume box, changed my outfit 5,000 times a day because I could. All those different things, like would go to school and halfway through school, I would apparently change my, my outfit into something completely different. So those sort of things were already happening. And then I had a friend who told me about an anime expo and how people dressed up as characters. And I was like, wait, other people are doing this? Other people outside of my house are doing this? Well, I have to go, obviously. And I patchworked together uh, a cosplay of Envy from Fullmetal Alchemist, the anime. Mm -hmm. and my hair was super long at the time, so I was just like, yeah, long hair, it's the same thing. Oh my gosh, I look back on it, I'm like, this was such a bad cosplay, but it was my first cosplay, so I'm so proud of it. And I've just kind of been upgrading and continuing to make things and do things. And definitely the TikTok community has helped with that because it's, it's really been like, here's another outlet besides just conventions mm -hmm. to show off these cosplays. And I'm, I'm working on a cosplay right now that I'm like, I, I have nowhere to show this to except TikTok. This is great. <laughs> and certainly the, the OC community, the original characters cosplay stuff that happens on TikTok. Oh, I love that. The Hogwarts professors on TikTok is such a loving, kind, supportive, creative community that it's just like, here, here's this idea. And here's this idea. Here, well, let's work together here and make this happen here. Great. And just keep going and keep creating and they're so nice. And it's such a wonderful outlet. 
for someone as weird as me to be like, here's these other people that understand how weird I am and embrace it. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for being there and seeing my weirding, my weirdness and liking it. Yeah. I, I totally agree that it gave another outlet besides just the few conventions I'm able to mm -hmm. afford uh, to get to. And I remember yep. when I started my first cosplay was, well, I did Jack Sparrow for a side thing. Yeah. Uh, but to a convention, I was uh, Nightcrawler from the like early 2000s X-Men Evolution cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. look back and it was, I didn't know what I was doing with wigs and it was so <laughs> horrible. But at the same time, I was proud because you know, that was the first time I went right. out and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's really fun to now look back and be like, here's my first cosplay and here's my most recent cosplay. I have evolved. <laughs> I have come a long way. I learned how to use body paint. <laughs> I know. It's, it's sort of just even on TikTok just looking at past professor things from being, mm -hmm. doing it two and a half years, I think, ooh, on my earlier ones, but I don't take them down because it's, it's kind of nice to see how- It's a time capsule. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. It's and I like seeing it because then other people can look back on it and be like, oh, this is where they started. I can then also evolve or seeing how other people do different techniques to make really cool things. Like, oh, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. I love how uh, supportive- it all is because it's like here's here's how I do my lighting setup to make it look as good as I do. It's really not that expensive. Here's how I do this special effect, or here's how I do this thing. It's really easy. You guys can do it too. I love that. It it is. It is so supportive, and there's I've I've noticed that even more than conventions, and conventions are always supportive. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you find yourself in a group of everyone that is cosplaying the same character, just mm -hmm. just the the support in TikTok and the the variations of the same character always just absolutely, I mean, just for Narcissa, there are just dozens of different yes. varieties and each one is good and different in different mm -hmm. ways. And um, same for, or, uh, you know, Professor Snape. So it's been, it's been fun. And I, I agree. It's, it's a nice little way, especially now where we yeah. are in society and not yep. having conventions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Try not I'm to fine. be sad. <laughs> I know. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm really fine. It's okay. I am. Our favorite one, Dragon Con, is the one I always go to. And of course, we sadly weren't there this past weekend. Yeah. Mm. I know. I know. Moment of silence. <laughs> Moment of silence for all the cons missed. <laughs> all righty. Yes. Well, yes. moving on, because I am very curious. I want to hear a little bit about um, your career and how you mm -hmm. got started in voice acting. I was listening to some of your demo reels and oh, just yeah. really enjoying the variety of voices. So oh, why, you. you know, why did you choose a career in voice acting and, and how did that sort of come to be? I'm always, like I said, I've, I've been doing costumes and making characters since I was uber little. Um, and then I was like, I'm, I'm want to be an actress. I want to be an on-screen actress. I'm a character actress. I'm really, I'm really weird. And I'm really, I like, I'm not the, oh, I'm the ingenue. Let me, you know, just stand here and look pretty. I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to happen. I'm, I can't do that. Um, for many reasons, I just exude too much weirdness, but apparently not enough weirdness for casting agents to actually see that through my headshot. So I started doing uh, my own sketch, my own sketch, uh, sketches on my YouTube channel of all these very different characters and filming and editing it to make it look like I'm talking to one another when it's all just me. Um, and then one week I didn't have an idea for a skit. I was like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not coming up with anything. I don't know what to do. So I did uh, just 
here's just a bunch of random impressions I can do. Everything from Daleks, from Doctor Who, to Scuttle, from Little Mermaid, to all the characters in Orphan Black. It was just like everything in between. Like it didn't fit into a box. But I did just, here's a bunch of impressions I can do. And a voice actor friend of mine saw it and was like, wow, I love this. I got to send this to the director for a film I'm cast in right now, an animated film. And he sent it to the director and the director was like, wow, she has range. Let's bring her in for an audition. I ended up booking two characters in that film. And it was like, oh, yes, this is so good. I love this. Being in the sound booth for the first time was the most natural, comfortable, easy thing for me to do. Like, I'd been doing it for years. And it was just like, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I I slowly transitioned away from on screen and put more of my focus into voice acting and character development and stretching my range and figuring out all the different sounds. Like, because I could do... Uh, very different characters. Like those are the fun ones, but those aren't the ones that you necessarily get paid for a whole, whole bunch. You get paid a lot more for, thank you for calling Toyota. Please hold for the next available representative. Like you get paid a lot more for those and I needed to find that voice, my commercial voice. Um, So finding that, finding, and then booking a whole bunch of different like uh, video games. I've done a whole bunch of video games. Video games are so much fun. I love it. I love working on Wizarding More and having the ability to just turn around and be a completely different character. I love it. That's an awesome answer. Thank you. So what then would you probably consider the most challenging part of voice acting as a career? Um, the number of auditions you have to put in. Because I put it in somewhere between 15 to 20 auditions a day. And you have to be putting it in there. It's, it's a numbers game. I mean, most of the things in the industry are a numbers game. It's the number of people that you can get to see this thing before you get send it to 50 people and one person will finally say yes. So if you're only sending it to two people, no one's really going to say yes. Right. Those kind of things. Um, that, and yeah, just constantly upgrading your equipment. Because mm-hmm. you start, when you start voice acting, you start with what you have. Sometimes that's just the microphone on your phone. And then you slowly upgrade as you can. You don't upgrade immediately to the giant sound booth with the big expensive equipment and, and the, you know, the sound processor. You don't immediately start with that. You start with like a Yeti. You start with a, a snowball. And as you're starting to make money, then you start to invest in yourself as you're making enough to invest in. You don't go break the bank right off the bat. Uh, yeah. Now, was this something that you had formal training in or did you train yourself or a little bit of both? I did get formal training. Um, uh, Like I said, a lot of it was for the commercial sound because that was really hard for me to find. Uh, And then my YouTube channel, constantly doing different impressions, trying different things. That allowed me to find where my range was and how to support myself and like vocally um, and how to sustain a voice for a long amount of time. Right. That would mm-hmm. have to be a challenge. I'm yeah. Sure. Like awesome. I, I definitely did an audition once that was like, I really hope I don't book this because if I book this, I'm going to destroy my voice. It's, this is a, a series and I can't talk like this the entire time. I'm going to die. And knowing that you can't do that for long periods of time. So don't even put it out there. Right. Or if you're going to do that, find a way to support it better. Right. And I've always been intrigued by um, 
by the vocal acting because I have a theater background. Mm -hmm. And so you're used to, you know, constantly overdoing over. And then when I switched to doing some things, um, voice acting, that, that was a very difficult shift for me. I'm still, still working on bringing things down, the nuances. So I always respect people that have just, especially that commercial voice. A lot of people think that that's just an easy thing to do. Oh, it's so not easy. It's so not easy. And there's so many different variations of it. They want you to like be selling something, but don't sound like you're selling something. Friendly girl next door, like you're talking to a friend, but definitely know that this is an important thing. And you got to find that string to tightrope walk across. Right. That's just always fascinating to me. So speaking then of commercial and then uh, animation and all that, do you have any projects that you um, either just wrapped up or currently working on or perhaps for the future? I know we're in sort of a weird time right now. I mean, I have a couple of uh, projects that I actually did a recorded session uh, earlier today, several of which I can't really talk about Mm -hmm. um, because NDAs and all that. Uh, But I did just wrap a recording for uh, a a video game that's like a hidden puzzle video game, which was really fun. Um, And uh, let's see, what else did I just do? Oh, I I just did a, uh, a pilot for a Netflix animated series, which... Oh, I hope it get I hope it gets picked up. It's such a fun fantasy uh, thing. <laughs> I can't go into too much detail. No, I understand totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. So, tell me a little bit about your YouTube channel because I sort of came in the back door, kind of discovering who you were via t- you know TikTok and then Wizarding War, and then I've gone backwards. So, yeah. Um, so how long have you been doing um, the YouTube channel? And I think you said you have hundreds of videos now, right? Yeah, like something over like 350. Wow. Yeah. So, so this was a lot to just sort of grow your wings. And also what else was the uh, kind of the inspiration behind all of this? A lot of it was just like, I'm a character actress. Here's what I do. This is me. Take it or leave it. Um, I once had a... Uh, an agent, I did not book with, I did not sign with this agent, but they were like, she has too many silly characters and costumes. I'm like, yes, that is me. That is who I am. I wrote it on my arm. I wanted to like get it tattooed. I have silly characters and costumes. Take it or leave it. <laughs> and it, it is, it was just, it was a way to showcase everything that I am. That's why it's called Maddie to the max. Cause it's me to the max to every bit of who I am and what I do. And it's, it's a training way for me, trying new techniques, trying different voices, trying uh, different costumes and ways to approach something like doing the uh, live action Finding Nemo. I'd never done that before. And finding ways to react to myself when I'm not actually there, but I have to do it in post. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a fun way to try different things. I love that. And I love that you embrace the weird. That's, that's mm-hmm. one of my big mantras. It's just, it's who you are, who, you know, who I am. And I love, I love that. I absolutely love I that. try to embrace it more. Like I feel like in past years, I haven't been embracing it as much. I'm like, no, I need to get back to my weirdness. I liked my weirdness. My weirdness was good. My weirdness made me happy. More weird. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I might, I'm a little further down the journey than you. And, and when I was younger, I mean, it's, it's still kind of like that, or it was um, that it wasn't cool as a female to be weird and to be just, you know, over the top and into weird stuff. And just, um, I was the same. I didn't like the ingenue characters. I didn't like, I wanted to be the character actor yeah. all the time. Did you find um, that growing up yourself or was that just kind of freely accepted and, and you didn't have any issues with it? Well, like I said, my, my parents, they gave me a costume box and said, here, have fun. And here's a craft closet. You want to make stuff? Go make stuff. Have fun. They were very, very open to whatever I wanted to create and very, very supportive of that. And I love that they gave me that freedom to figure out what I am and who I am and what I want to do and create and make. And I love that. I love having that freedom. Um, yeah. So just... I forgot what your question was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that was good. I was just, uh, you know, saying I, I kind of had to push a lot of the, I guess I would call the weirdness down, especially when I was in high school, because it was just, I was the drama kid and that part of it was okay, but I was yeah. also into Dungeons and Dragons and I read fantasy novels and, you know, so the only people I knew that did that were guys mm -hmm. at the time. And so I had a lot of guy friends and, you know, and then I would downplay the weird when I was with my mm. girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but now it's a great, it's a great time to be alive as a geek. Yeah. It yeah. Just, no, I, I think because I was homeschooled for most of my life. Mm -hmm. So it was just, here's your interest, go chase it. The few times that I, I was in a public school environment, it was definitely a hide who you are, don't show them what you are, or they will make fun of you for literally the dumbest things. Yep. How dare you do homework during lunchtime? You're a freak. <laughs> I agree. I totally mm -hmm. agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so... Okay, so you're talking about, you know, your creativity and, and definitely it's Maddie to the max. And I think I, from what I've seen, it's 100% everything that you do. So tell me a little bit about kind of the, the creative, the shop side. You've got t-shirts and other things. So yeah. what have you got going? I have uh, several lines of t-shirts that I'm working on right now. I got uh, a uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts house t-shirt line uh, that is... Uh, I'm not flirting. I'm a Hufflepuff. Uh, you can't prove it. I'm a Slytherin. Uh, it was my idea. I'm a Ravenclaw. And I am yelling. I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> Which I love. It mainly started because I always wanted the t-shirt that said, I'm not flirting. I'm a Hufflepuff. Because I'm a Hufflepuff. And I'm nice. And I'm just nice to everyone. Everyone thinks I'm flirting. So I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good puff. I'm a good Hufflepuff. So I really wanted that t-shirt. And I never saw it anywhere. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make it oh, you know what? I should also do the other houses. I should also incorporate this into the other houses. And that was a really big success. And a lot of people really, really like the I am yelling, I'm a Gryffindor and the I'm not flirting, I'm a Hufflepuff. Very big. They like those. So I was like, let me do some more stuff with like uh, Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons classes. You know, the uh, uh, I can make my own friends. I'm a necromancer. <laughs> <laughs> or I am flirting. I'm a bard. Or I did seduce the dragon. I'm a bard. And with all the classes. And I, I want to keep expanding that and making more of those. And you can get those at uh, teesprings.com slash stores slash Maddie to the max. Awesome. I'm yeah. definitely going to have to uh, order a couple of the Hufflepuff shirts for my yes. friends. Because yes. that is exactly, they are just nice to everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm in the back making nasty faces. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you know, yes, I will definitely be ordering some of those. Those are great. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking then of Hogwarts houses, I'm just segueing as we go along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So moving sort of into the Harry Potter world before we hit uh, kind of the fan films, uh, it's obvious that we're both Harry Potter fans. Do you have uh, a favorite or maybe more than one favorite character in the series? Mm. I think Neville. I definitely, I love Neville, especially in the seventh book. He just comes into his own completely and you really see, oh yeah, he is a Gryffindor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, I think the one thing that the movies did better than the books was the fact that they put Luna and Neville together. Yes. Because in the books, they don't end up together. And I always thought since book five, I was like, Neville and Luna should be together they obviously yes and then they didn't do that in the books but then they did it in the movies i was like okay movies you got a point there one point for you good job you did you did justice to my boy neville well done but you also took out the fact that he was potentially also the chosen one so yeah yeah. i know i know for every good thing it's kind of then there's a little take yeah so oh yeah, I love Neville's my Neville. great. Yes. Neville's fabulous. I love Neville. <laughs> He's got a great character arc, and I'm with you. He does. I, I, I love him and Luna together. I would love even like a short story that is just about that seventh year from Luna, Ginny, and Neville's point of view mm-hmm. with the Silver Trio. I would love to read that so much. I, yeah, I think a lot of people would. That, yeah. That is just intriguing. I always love the sidekick type characters who come mm-hmm. to their own. So. Mainly because I feel like I'm always playing the sidekick, so I relate to them a lot. Because <laughs> they're the quirky ones. Yes, yes. I know. I get you. I, I'm, I feel the same way. Yep. <laughs> well, Harry Potter has so many, you know, fan fictions, all these wonderful things. And of course, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Severus Snape and the Marauders. It's hands down, I think, my mm-hmm. favorite of, of any of the incarnation. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of it for me comes from the fact that it just gives a clear perspective of the Marauders and Snape. And no one is painted as the absolute good guy Mm -hmm. um, or the bad guy, which was something I always try in my literature classes to teach my students um, just the depth of characterization. Yeah. And and being a Snape fan, as Snape is my favorite character, I I think it really helped explain a little bit more that intense hatred and where that came from and um, and all of that. So what was it? Justin did such a good job of writing those characters. And then, oh my God, Garrett and Mick doing such an amazing job acting them. Oh God, they're all so talented. I, I think perfectly cast. I told Justin that that oh, yeah. it's it's now when I go back or reread something Marauders or something and the younger versions, that's who I see. Yes. Um, in those roles. So I think that's, you know, kudos to to him and to to them. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm for that amazing job but what was it uh that struck you most about uh that fan film in the story i was actually one of the uh kickstarter backers awesome yeah and i had i had heard about it long long story short i'd heard about it from justin's brother we randomly struck up a conversation and he told me about it and i looked it up on my phone i was like oh my gosh this is amazing this is Yes, it's the creativity, it's the nerdiness, but with passion and not just, oh, we're just going to make a thing. It was like, no, we are, we are making something of great value. And I remember seeing that. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of this. I want to audition for this. It's already been cast. Ah, dang it. Well, here, (laughs) let me give the money. It's fine. I want to see this happen. It needs to happen. And then the two-year journey that happened from filming it to getting it out to 
every everything that happened with that um that because i was then with uh the kickstarter backers i then got invited to the premiere and i was like yes this is awesome and then i met the cast and i met justin and i met everybody involved with and i did some interviews and i was like yay this is wonderful and then I was following along when Justin started talking about maybe doing the audio drama series. Mm-hmm. And I was, oh, yes, that would be great. And then I saw the casting notices start to come up and they weren't labeled as Wizarding War. They didn't say what they were, but the description of it, I was like, I know this. I know exactly what this is. So I think I did the first round of casting. I auditioned for like six characters <laughs> and I was like, here, I just want to, I just want to be able to audition. And I was so excited that I finally was able to audition and get it in front of them. And I was so happy with that. And I didn't book any of those characters, but I was just like, yes, I did it. I'm so proud of myself. I was able to put in that, that audition that I originally wanted to audition for. I'm so glad. And then there was a second round of casting and Narcissa came up and I was like, oh, Narcissa. Oh, she's so fascinating. I love how fascinating Narcissa is. I just, I can deep dive into her, her mentality and who she is. And she's such a little character, but to me, she's huge. Mm -hmm. She's so important. So I love the fact that I was able to put that in and just like have fun with it. Oh my gosh. And the guy that plays uh, Lucius opposite me, his voice is so buttery as Lucius. I can't even it's just it's so much fun to play Lu- to play Lucius and Narcissa together. I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's he does have a great voice, and the two of you work really well off each other. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So tell me then, since you know talking about deep deep diving, uh, and Narcissa is great. She's got a small role, but there's so much meat there. So how oh, yeah. did you approach Narcissa? Like, what what was your thought process in creating the character? Did you get a lot of um, you know, direction from Justin, or did he let you kind of delve into your own version? How did that go? A little bit of both. I mean, for me, it was like, okay, her most pivotal moment in the entire series is when she tells Voldemort that Harry isn't dead, mm-hmm. or th- when she tells him that Harry is dead. Right. And that is so pivotal because at this point, she is terrified of Voldemort. She just, she's trying to survive. She's trying to have her family survive. And she is terrified that this man is going to kill her and her family. But she is willing to lie to him in order for the possibility of saving her son. And she lies to this man that she's terrified of. And that is so important to me because it was like, Narcissa loves Draco more than anything else. She gives Draco her wand. Nobody else in this series willingly gives somebody else their wand. Lucius has to be forced to give Voldemort his wand, and it doesn't work. Narcissa willingly gives Draco her wand, and that's a big deal. That's like giving someone your arm. Like, here, take my arm. I love you so much. You, you can have my kidney. You know, and so it was very interesting to me to be like, okay, at this point in her life, at the end of the series, she is, she loves Draco more than anything. And she's willing to sacrifice everything to save Draco. So to rewind the clock about 25 years before she's a mother, it was like, okay, so what is it that she actually wants? Because at that point, at the end of the series, she has something she cannot lose that cannot be replaced. So at this point, younger Narcissa, there is nothing in her life that she 
cannot replace. She loves Lucius, but if something happened to him, she could always find another rich, pure-blood wizard mar to marry and get her money back, to get her status back. She can fight and claw and get that wealth and status that she wants if she loses it all. There's nothing that is irreplaceable to her at that point in her life. Mm -hmm. So to then play that and play that throughout the series and see her kind of come to the realization of, oh, there might be some things that I can't actually replace. Hmm. So that was really fun for me to play and play this younger version of Narcissa and play the true Slytherin of ambition and trying to get to the top and doing whatever it takes to get to the top, aligning, aligning yourself with a genocidal maniac. Why would she do that? Why would she feel like that was okay? Well, because A, most of the people that she went to school with also are aligned with this person and they must have a good reason to do it. And there's a part of her that I think believes that he will win, that Voldemort will win. And she wants to be aligned with the winning side. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know yet to be afraid of him because she's just like, no, I'm just, I'm backing the winning pony. That's what's happening. Oh, wait, this is actually dangerous. Okay, let's just back off a little bit and just let, let some other people maybe take the heat and, oh, we didn't mean to. Here, you know what? We'll, you know, turn over the names of everyone else that, you know, wasn't friends with us. It's fine. Just keep us out of line of fire. It's fine. That part of her, I love playing. I love playing this gray character. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and it was, it was good to see... Uh, more of Narcissa playing that Slytherin, the, the cunning, the manipulative, mm -hmm. and, and in many ways steering the ship uh, when it yeah. comes to her and Lucius. Oh, she totally wears the pants in that family. <laughs> she, Lucius thinks he does, but he don't. Yeah. He don't. <laughs> it is Narcissa all the way. Yeah, that's been, that's been fascinating, which leads me to, and these are just opinion questions, but I, I'm just curious um, on your view, why do you think um, Narcissa maybe did not officially become a Death Eater? Because I don't think we have any record that she actually no. was officially one. She wasn't. I mean, I think for her, her husband became one, her sister became one, and her son became one, which she never did. Mm -hmm. And I think for her, At that point in her life, she's, she's not publicly aligned with Voldemort. They don't publicly know that she's aligned with him, and she's just secretly betting on the winning horse. So having a tattoo on her arm saying, I'm with this person, might have been a little telling for her. So, you know what? She's married to Lucius. Her sister is second in command. Mm -hmm. I am obviously aligned with this. I don't need to get ink on my arm. How dare you? <laughs> I thought it was really kind of, um, I don't know, clever uh, for yeah. her to be one that didn't, like she was trying to leave her options open if she yeah. needed to separate from that for some whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I was always fascinated by that. Yeah. So I would think that when Draco did get the Death Eater tattoo, it was probably very scary for her. Yes. Because that's when she goes to Snape and is like, if he can't do this, I need you to do it for him. I can't lose my son. Mm -hmm. He just got his first gang tattoo. Help. <laughs> 
And she's got really interesting relationships with both her sister and then mm-hmm. also Snape that always fascinated me, um, delving somewhat into what was her relationship with Severus like through school and then after graduation and as they're, you know, becoming uh, followers, open followers of Voldemort, um, because obviously it's very long and lasting yeah. for her to go to him. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I would always think that Snape and Lucius, they hung out a lot and, Nar- and Bellatrix hung out with Snape a lot. And so by and large, she was around Snape a lot too. They didn't actively go head to head. Like I think Lucius and Bellatrix and Snape went head to head, but she was around him. She saw how clever he was. She saw how good he was at the dark arts, how good he was at potions. She saw that he had great potential. And so of all the people that she could have possibly gone to, to kill Voldemort instead of her son, or to kill Dumbledore instead of Draco having to do it, mm-hmm. she chose Snape when her sister's the known killer. Right. <laughs> so she chose, no, I can rely on Snape mm-hmm. to do this. He's smart enough to do it. Yeah, yeah. She's so, I think, underrated as far as her, just her crafty intelligence, which mm-hmm. I like to see in Wizarding War that come out. So for your version of, of playing Narcissa, how, how did you find that, that right voice? Because again, with the audio drama, it's, it's all about the voice and the sound mm-hmm. effects. So um, did you have a certain kind of, I don't know, procedure that you went through with your own head to kind of come up with her voice? Well, I always saw her as, she's very elegant, because in the book she's described as having long platinum blonde hair, as most of the Malfoys do. They all, they all have long platinum blonde hair. <laughs> um, so I always saw her as this very tall, elegant, regal, regal creature. So when she walks into a room, she walks in like a queen. She kind of glides in when she's in her element, you know, when she's not terrified for her life. She was always very much poised and proper and very calming and very nice to talk to. It's not, she doesn't have to raise her voice to get her point across. She can just gently nudge you in the right direction without being evil, but you know, still being very nice and very welcoming and calming. Exactly. Yeah. And she was able to definitely kind of play that side while Lucius went off and I, I guess mm-hmm. worked with the Death Eaters, which yeah. is nice. And I would think that she probably had to be the most calming effect of all her sisters. Mm-hmm. And you got Be- young Bellatrix, who's pro- was probably very much a handful. And then you got Nymphadora. Uh, was that? No, no. Um, uh, Tonks' Andromeda. mom. Andromeda. You got Andromeda, who totally black sheep of the family <laughs> was probably also a little bit of a handful to deal with. And so she probably had to be the, the uh, calming one, the one that let get, let people do what they wanted to do without getting her in too much trouble while still being the peacekeeper, while still being able to be in charge. It was probably a lot of juggling act in the black family. Oh yeah. <laughs> I definitely think so. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the way that you are uh, currently playing her. And so Walk, walk me through uh, what it's like to go in for a filming day. How, how many days or uh, times have you gone in to film? I know, I think Justin said it's, he's, he plays a lot of things close to the vest and also they're still working their way through. So I don't yeah. know how much you know ahead of time, but what, what is kind of a typical recording session like for you? Uh, well, Justin has done oh, something wonderful, which is he gets most of the actors in the room recording at the same time, which is such a luxury. It's so nice when that happens, but he really works hard to make sure that everyone in the scene usually happening in that scene is in the same uh, studio space and we're recording off of each other and playing off of each other, 
which is part of why it's so great to have the uh, Lucius scenes is because he's right there in the room and we're reading off of each other. Um, so we have this big space and usually the last recording session we did, it was mainly the Death Eaters. It was like, that was all, all we were recording that day was just the Death Eater scenes. So you got, you got Mick, you got uh, Voldemort, you got everybody there. You got uh, Anna doing uh, Bellatrix and everybody's in the room playing these intense bickering scenes with all the Death Eaters going, no, we should do this and no, we should do that. And blah, blah, blah. And Narcissa is just like, Lucius, don't die. <laughs> so that was the last recording session. But the time before that, we had, uh, it was like a 50-50 split of Death Eater scenes, but also uh, order scenes, but also ministry scenes. Uh, so it's really fun when you get to go in and there's just like, oh, we need an elevator voice. I'm like, I'll play the elevator. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> So apparently a lot of you did multiple voices, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love that's, it. That's that's fun. And, yeah. and get to stretch your acting wings, I guess, mm -hmm. a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, it's just, and that comes with the know your range. Know that if it's like, oh, you're doing this voice, but you sound too similar to this one, can you change it? Just be able to go, I can go from this to, I can go to this now. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> and you can change those and you mm -hmm. can easily play and Justin's a great director he's really good at getting the most out of the scene so you right. can really hear it so much fun well it I can tell that all of you are having fun while you're recording it, it comes across as you sit there and listen to it the the immense joy because I think this is really he was saying it's just just a work of heart, like heart. And just, yeah. you guys are doing it because you just really are, you know, loving it and passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And um, that really, really is coming out. And um, so kind of, I, we're getting close to time to wrap up, but I did want to make sure um, I, <laughs> I hit a few more things. So um, you do have the shop, which uh, you told us about, but if people want to follow you, follow your work, um, you know, in any of those realms, where are places uh, that people can go on social media or whereabouts? Uh, the best places are YouTube, Maddie to the Max, M-A-D-I, mm -hmm. the number two, the Max. Uh, I'm also that on TikTok, which a lot of Hogwarts professors, Harry Potter stuff related there. And uh, Instagram is also a good way to do that. Um, you can also check out my website, madisonbrunaylor.com. It's B-R-U-N-O-E-H-L-E-R. Uh, and that's really where I showcase a lot of my voice acting and can be hired to do voice acting. Awesome. And last thing for Wizarding War, do you have any thoughts on where you think it might go? Or are you just kind of quietly waiting to see? Well, I do already know because I've read all the scripts. Okay. Uh, so I do kind of know and I can't really say. Of course. <laughs> well, three more, I think, right? Three more left in the, in the series. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So if you have not, listeners, if you have not uh, checked that out, first watch Severus Snape and the Marauders on YouTube. And then immediately binge watch every episode of the audio drama. Absolutely. It is, it is well worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for joining me. This was fantastic, and you this were a lot so of fun. fun. Thank I'm you. So thank you for reaching out to me. I had an absolute blast talking to you. I want to do it again. Oh, we will definitely do it again. Don't Yay. you worry. So thank you guys for listening. This is episode seven of Quills and Cloaks. So clean out your cauldrons and stack up your books because class is dismissed. Dismissed.